As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, well, hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of the Buffalo Beat. The Bills claiming a 24-21 to victory over the New England Patriots in this one to get to a 6-2 and record. Of course, it's a very significant win for uh, probably reasons other than just the 2020 season. But it was, in fact, their sixth win of the year out of eight tries. Gets them to a winning percentage of 750 through the first uh, half of the season and in a prime position to win the AFC East as long as they handle their business over the second half of the season. But we are going to break down the Bills' victory over the Patriots by quite a large margin. Some big picture stuff, I'm sure, and uh, maybe some of the, the stuff that they can look to address as they get closer to uh, the trade deadline here on Tuesday. My name is Joe Biscaglia. With me, as always, is my co-host, Matthew Fairburn. And Matthew, this game was close. I think we were both expecting it to be close between these two sides just because, you know, a Bill Belichick-led led team, uh, they, they usually have a pretty good handle on what their opponents are doing and how to stop them and how to make their lives a little bit more difficult. And that's what we ended up seeing. And uh, the Bills were able to sneak out a 24-21 win. So uh, above all else, what was the first thing that kind of stood out to you, uh, either be from a a big picture or from an individual game perspective? It felt like they got away with one, frankly. Um, You know, it was uh, like you said, you kind of expected it to be a close kind of slugfest of a game, especially with the weather forecast and the Patriots kind of having their backs against the wall and all those things. Uh, But I I was kind of just stunned at how conservative Bill Belichick coached and simultaneously conservative and desperate would be the two words that I used. It, It was like he was trying to gimmick his way to a win in this game and it almost worked, but not really, um, through, you know, too much credit to him and, and some of the game management decisions. At the end of the first half, they 
they had third and one with 12 seconds left. And instead of taking one more shot at the end zone, they decided to kick the field goal. And Bill Mm -hmm. Belichick afterwards described it as a low percentage play, which, you know, I guess it is true, um, you know, from the 15 yard line, if, you know, you have a quarterback that you don't trust. And I think the Patriots called this game basically from wire to wire as if they didn't trust Cam Newton. And that's saying something against the Bills defense that hasn't been great. You know, I, I think certainly down his top two wide receivers, that's a factor. Um, and, you know, he hasn't been a terrific passer this season, but the lack of faith they showed in him. And then 14-14, they try to sneak an onside kick through. The way they were playing the rest of the game, that onside kick didn't match up, which maybe is the point, right? Nobody would be expecting it. Maybe you can um, get away with it and, you know, really flip flip the game. But the defense's only chance, uh, you know, was or, or the Patriots' only chance was having their defense, you know, play a little bit of a field position game. And, you know, they got away from that with one call that, you know, I'd say those two in particular, the one at the end of the half and the onside kick kind of put them in a, a hole they couldn't recover from. If they got the touchdown at the end of the first half, you know, it's a completely different game at the end of the game. And, you know, then Cam Newton fumbles when it looked like they had a chance to win anyways. Um, just a lot of lot of errors from the Patriots. And even in their third and long situations, they were, you know, running the ball sometimes on third and long or running these screen plays. It just felt like they didn't think they had a chance on those downs uh, on anything that was going to require a big chunk of yardage in the passing game. And, uh, you know, the way Cam Newton was playing, they might've been right. And I think the bills are, you know, happy to get out of this game with a win, uh, knowing just the, the boogeyman that the Patriots are and, how they've kind of, you know, cast a dark cloud over this organization. There was certainly a mental block there, I think, for um, some players in that locker room just to clear that hurdle, beat the Patriots, basically bury them in the division. Um, the Dolphins still look uh, legit a little bit, but right now the Bills well, have defense a commanding anyway. lead. <laughs> yeah, they, you know, they've got... Um, they took it to the Rams a little bit today. Um, you never know what to expect in a, in a team from week to week and as the season goes on. So they're still alive, but the Bills have a commanding lead in the division. They won't apologize for that, regardless of how ugly it's looked over the last month of the season. A lot of issues to correct, but 6-2, and two, and if they don't win the division, it would be a monumental collapse. Yeah. I, I think I, I actually liked – what the Patriots did with the onside kick attempt, if I'm if I'm honest, I mean it was in a good spot where uh, this is an opponent that they caught napping on special teams last year with by not bringing in an additional player to to block a uh, uh, someone trying to block the the punt, and the Patriots ended up blocking the punt, and that ended up being like one of the biggest reasons the Patriots won that game last year in Buffalo. But to call it when they did, it had actually when you went back and watched the replay, you could see basically every other special teams player for the Bills starting to take a step or two back to prepare themselves for the return. And the only one that didn't was Tyler Matakevich, and it went straight to him. So I really liked the call uh, for the unexpected unexpectedness of it, but it just 
didn't work out for them because Matikiewicz is a really good special teams player and very instinctive. He knew something was off in the run-up for the kicker, and he squared himself up, and lucky for him, he was Johnny on the spot, or this time, at this point, Tyler on the spot to bring in that uh, onside kick and put the Bills in a huge uh, spot. It gave gave them great field position, got them to their third touchdown, it wasn't the game-winning touchdown, but uh, but certainly helped matters by any means. But I think it almost felt like they were basically saying, "Let's just go for the game on this play." Yes, and that was—I didn't hate it. I, I, it wasn't the worst call. Like I, I didn't totally hate it, but it felt like it just played into this weird desperation, and yet being uber conservative the rest of the game. It's like you could have taken more chances on offense and, you know, in your other play calls. Instead, they kind of just went all in. And because it was so, you know, outside of what they were doing with the rest of their play calling, it's part of what made it kind of a a sneaky little move. And had they gotten it, might have been the difference. It felt Mm -hmm. like they they knew they didn't have a chance Um, or – knew they didn't have a chance if they played the game a certain way and knew they had to basically hang on and survive as long as possible and then try to pull out something like that. And the weird thing is they didn't get it and still almost won. Their offense kind of came alive, but it was a it was a weird weird call, which is what makes it, you know, oftentimes the the result clouds what you think of the call, of course. Um, right. And they were close to getting it, but it was just like, man, now you're you're deciding to be super aggressive. It felt like they were going all in. And again, like I said, the way that their team was playing, it, it's almost hard to fault too much of what they were doing because even that third down at the end of the first half, it's like they've had a situation this year at the end of the first half against the Chiefs where they had three points and they went for the last uh, throw to the end zone and Hoyer took a sack and that was it. So um it's almost like they're they really understand what they are and mm-hmm. what they are is not very good. Yeah. I mean, it it's pretty clear to see that. They were down a bunch of starters um and certainly they haven't looked right for the last few weeks. Cam Newton, he actually looked a lot better today than he has the past couple of weeks, but um it I think I think for them, like you said, they know what they are. But from a Bills perspective, I think when you look at this game, I don't know that we learned a ton about this team. It was a lot of a a confirmation of what we knew them to be defensively. I guess the the biggest thing here is that they got their their rushing game in order for the first time this season. And there was a heavy emphasis on that. They were able to get both Devin Singletary and Zach Moss going. It was actually interesting. For the first time this season, Zach Moss outsnapped Devin Singletary. And it was a it was a pretty large disparity after the first half, and then Devin Singletary got more snaps than Moss in the second half. But each player ended up with 14 carries, had over 80 yards, uh, totaled 167 between the two of them, and and really just looked great and and helped lead the Bills to a victory in a game where they just couldn't depend on their passing attack. And it was very interesting that they couldn't, you know. And just being at the stadium and seeing how the wind was kind of whipping around, if you looked at the 
the top of the field goal posts, you could see the little flags they have on there. They were kind of whipping around. But if you looked on field level and you looked at like, I don't know, the the punter's net uh, that's on the sidelines there, it really wasn't moving all that much. So it made me kind of feel like the the wind wasn't all that it was cracked up to be in the game. And at one point, the sun was shining in the game. So it was, it was kind of curious that the passing offense didn't get going the way that they hoped it to. Allen kind of looked off. Um, the, the interception was bad. Uh, and he missed a couple of longer throws. He hit. He missed a, a deep crosser to Stefan Diggs that looked open. It was a throw that he hit earlier in the season a lot, especially that Miami game against man-to-man coverage. So that's something that they're going to need to address. But uh, from a good perspective, the the one thing that we learned about them is that the running game got going. They attacked the edges with both Singletary and Moss. Uh, Dawkins and Daryl Williams did a great job of pinning their their uh, players inside to to spring Singletary and Moss both outside, and both of those running backs did a great job of taking advantage of of those areas. And yeah, like you said, the Patriots Patriots talent wise, just they're not there where they have been in prior years, and it's it's good for the Bills that they got the job done and they. They got, as you pointed out, they got the boogeyman away from their nightmares. But, but yeah, it it almost seems like this is uh, they 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 need better than that in the future against better opponents. And it, it's it's weird to say because the Patriots are usually right there with with everything, but they're just not right now. And uh, you, you would have liked to see them maybe do a little bit more than what they did, but still a significant win nonetheless because of what it means to the city, what it means to the fan base, what it means to the players in the locker room, what it means, quite frankly, to Sean McDermott, who has yet to beat Bill Belichick. So all of those different things, and uh, they're probably hoping this can springboard them in the second half of the year. Yeah, it's certainly cheapened a bit by the fact that Tom Brady's gone and, you know, the Patriots were missing a ton of key players on their roster. And, you know, there was this idea that it would be some sort of changing of the guard moment. And it didn't feel that way. It didn't feel as if, you know, in order for the guard to change, you have to have another team that's not just winning the division, but taking hold of it and looking like they're going to win it for years to come. And the way that Bill Belichick managed to coach that team to within a Cam Newton fumble of either going to overtime or winning it, I think is a bit of a concern. You know, you bring up Josh Allen and the passing games and, you know, you give a little bit of an asterisk for the win, but like you said, it didn't, as the game wore on, especially, it didn't seem to have too much of an impact on some of the throws. And Mm -hmm. the problem right now is that it's the same problem they've had basically since week five and that's that the downfield passing game has completely disappeared on them and that's a huge problem because they're not the same offense without the downfield passing game and I'm not talking about throws going 30 yards or more down the field even 20 yards or more down the field on throws 10 yards or more down the field uh, between weeks five and week eight the last four games Josh Allen is 18 for 46 for 293 yards one touchdown, four interceptions. He has the worst quarterback rating in the league on those throws in the last four weeks. Wow. It's 10 yards. It's not, uh, you know, that's not even a 
really a down. That's more like intermediate and downfield combined. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the worst in football uh, over the last month. So if that doesn't return, this team probably isn't going anywhere. You need those big plays. Um, you know, can you win the division playing like they played today? Uh, yeah, I think you can because look at the rest of the division. Uh, you know, I think can you you know make the playoffs and you know maybe steal a playoff game playing that way? Possibly, but the upside of the team is severely capped if your passing game cannot push the ball downfield. And right now they they frankly can't. And it's not a matter of them not doing it. You know, we've talked about teams playing uh, you know more of a soft zone and you know dropping defenders back to kind of limit. Um, you know, the options, um, you know, playing two deep safeties. Josh Allen has still attempted 46 passes that have traveled at least 10 yards over the last month. Only four quarterbacks have attempted more than that. So they're attempting these passes. They're just not completing them for any meaningful, um, you know, yardage or uh, meaningful plays. And Josh Allen's turning the football over on quite a few of those as well. So he looks like a different quarterback from the first month of the season. And you know, he made some things happen with his legs today. He also sacked himself running out of bounds before he threw the ball away. Um, yeah, sure did. So, I don't know, just not – it was – he was finally bailed out by his running game, which really hasn't happened all year long. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss look good. Now, here's my one kind of concern about that, and I'm curious to know what you think of this because after the game, Sean McDermott said, you know, that was a sign of them evolving as an offense. And, you know, sometimes we connect the dots and maybe make too much of, of some of these comments. But the fear there would be that because the running game carried them against the Patriots, who have been atrocious against the run this year, that they'll take that as a sign of that's what their offensive identity needs to be going forward. And I don't think that's the case. I think you need no. what they were in the first month of the season is the the version of this team that has the best chance to make a run in the playoffs, Uh, the team that's throwing the ball downfield and creating big plays in the passing game. That's the team that has a chance to win in January. I don't think trying to morph into a run first run heavy offense is necessarily going to be the move for this group. I don't think the offensive line is good enough and I don't think the defense is good enough, probably more importantly. The defense is not good enough to play games like they just played against the Patriots and beat teams like the Seahawks um, or teams that can you know, put up points. I say the Seahawks because they're next on the schedule, but the Steelers, the Cardinals, the, heck, you know, teams like the Chargers that are putting up points. I don't think you can just hope to, to you know, steal games at the end like they did against the Jets and the Patriots um, you know, by running the ball and hitting on, you know, an occasional, um, you know, play at the right time, you need to have a passing game. And, and right now they don't have a very good one. Yeah. And I think there's, there's something to that. And uh, I agree with you. If, if they want to do any damage, this, the prolific passing attack that we saw in the first four weeks has to come back. But I think if I had to try and dive into the mind of Sean McDermott, I think, Maybe what he means by evolution is that they're becoming, it could be the gateway to become a little bit more balanced where they're not so heavily dependent upon the passing offense to get themselves going. And that's not to say that they would, 
go and become a a 50% passing offense, 50% uh, running offense, I think there would still like, or Dable would still like to veer towards passing offense, but getting the running game established and having some some success to where you can depend on it in spots that you need to in some of these bigger games. Because to be honest, the the running game uh, from the backs, not Josh Allen, from the backs just hasn't been there. Through the first seven games, I think they, they had 479 yards total, which is 67 yards a game from your backs, which is just poor. I mean, that's that's really not doing much. And a lot of that I'm I'm sure some of it has to do with the fact that they were passing it at a pretty high clip, but still on those opportunities that they're actually giving themselves, they're blowing blocks. Um, uh, maybe their backs aren't having the best of vision, uh, and maybe they have to work harder because of the the blocks are blown. It just hasn't been there. I there was one quote from from Dion Dawkins that I thought was especially good for what they've been going through with, with their backs because they know it's a problem. And even though they've averaged about four yards a carry, um, it, the, the production from the backs just haven't been there on a game to game basis. And Dawkins says, said at some point enough is enough. We wanted to set our running backs free. And that that's been a, probably a, a heavy emphasis. They knew the Patriots were a good opponent to do that. They knew their running backs both like to hit to the edge uh, even though Moss should probably focus more on between the tackles because he's that's I I believe where he's best, um, and a lot of times he tries to bounce things outside when when he shouldn't, and that's part of his problem right now. Uh, but he had a good game regardless. But all of these different things, if if you can get those guys going and becoming more dependable and not having to completely rely on Josh Allen to be the sole focus of your offense. I think that is where the evolution might come into play. I mean, if if they're going to turn this thing into a 55% run offense, then that is the the worst mistake they could make. But I you know, I I think I just from watching Brian Dable and what he's done and you know, I I think I think the guy's pretty smart. I think he knows what what will get them to where they want to go. And, and he's the one probably calling the shots on all of this. So uh, I, I would tend to believe he knows where that bread is buttered and that they won't devolve into that. But if they do, then that's that's going to be a, a, a very disappointing thing moving forward. But I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think it's, it's never a bad thing to have more than one way to win as an offense. And, right. and that's definitely... Um, you know, an element here being able to lean on the running game on a day when, you know, the passing game isn't going to work, you know, especially, you know, you throw weather into the mix and there will be some of those games where it'll just be harder uh, to throw the football. The quarterback is supposed to be able to cut it through the wind. Um, That was why they picked him. But um, I do think it's a good thing. The other thing I think that is good about the running game coming back is that you'll get a little bit more, uh, or in theory, it would lead to more opportunities for play action passing. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been as heavy a play action team over the last month as they were in the first month of the season where they were up near the top of the league. They've kind of cooled off in, in that department. And I think it's part of how teams are playing them. Um, but 
you know, I think there is an element, um, it's whether it's, you know, mental as a play caller that, you know, if you're not running the ball well, you're a little less confident, um, you know, going to play action consistently. And I do think you're right about Brian Dable in general, because he has never really been a guy that has a a good running game. Um, He's had occasional years where they've had good running games, but I think he knows week to week what he needs to do, what where a team's weakness is, and how to attack it. Um, before the before this game, the Bills had just one rushing touchdown from a running back this season, um, and Zach Moss had two today. So it was uh, certainly a boost to the red zone offense to have the ability to run the ball. Um, and the the number I had was that in six seasons as an offensive coordinator, Dable has only had one offense finish in the top 10 in yards per carry. So not really his deal to have, uh, you know, these top end running games. He hasn't had the most talented offenses over the years, but still that's a a pretty big sample size as a coordinator and a play caller. Uh, So I think, you know, the the strength of this team will still be the passing game most likely, but -hmm. it doesn't hurt to have Exactly. Those guys getting going a little bit. You know, I think, you know, having Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, two guys that they invested in pretty heavily, uh, start to look more like those players, produce more like those players, is certainly uh, a nice element to have on offense. And I think in a big way helps when you get down near the goal line, with uh, which obviously was a problem against the Jets and, you know, wasn't as big of a problem against the Patriots this week. Yeah. We'll switch to the defensive side of the ball in, in just a minute, but I just wanted to touch on one other point factor in this game. Man, the Bills are just kind of snake bitten on the interior offensive line right now. I mean, they just get John Feliciano back, and and they were probably really excited to get him back because that takes Ike Butker off the field. And you would have to think that because they didn't put Cody Ford on IR – they probably believe he is somewhat close to a, a possible return, even though we haven't seen him at practice uh, just yet. But but getting those guys back, they were really they must have really felt like they were getting close to having their optimal offensive line. But as we have seen with their linebacker room as well, they're they can't have nice things this year at the interior offensive line because three plays into Feliciano being back Mitch Morse suffers a concussion and that is notable because Mitch Morse this is now the fifth concussion of his career or the fifth documented concussion of his career and as we remember uh, from training camp in 2019 he was out for a considerable amount of time uh, from practices and things like that. Whether or not they were resting him or being a little bit cautious while he was working along the side, you know, that's that's neither here nor there. Uh, but but the fact is, he suffered it last year. He had to miss some time, and you have to wonder how much time he'll miss this time around. But uh, Feliciano, who McDermott admitted that they wanted to put on a little bit of a pitch count. It, in this game because it was his first game back from a pretty long layoff and he hasn't played since the 2019 season. Um, They had to shift him to center on his second offensive series and he winds up having to play the entire game. So now they still have like Butker in there. They don't have their starting center. They have Feliciano back, but it's just, 
it just doesn't seem like they can kind of catch a break with that interior line. And, you know, it's it's never going to be a perfect thing in an NFL season. So you can't be like, you can't just go, oh, shucks. You know, everything everything's bad for, for this team and this team only because that stuff happens all over the league. But but it's just kind of it's it's just kind of uh, interesting that quite literally three plays into the game they lose another interior lineman after just getting one back. It's it's it it just seems to kind of go with the trend of of what's been happening with them this year. Yeah, credit to John Feliciano who yeah you know, for sure moved around and and figured it out. And it's tough to see Mitch Morse um, get a concussion was very quickly ruled out for the yeah. game. Um, like you said, he has a long history of concussions and it's just not, you don't like to see no. those, uh, injuries happen to anybody and, um, who knows, um, you know, what the future will hold or how, um, how severe it is, but, um, you know, it's, it's a lot bigger than, than football, um, when it's an injury like that. So, um, they they did adjust uh, in in some regard uh, on the interior of the line. It wasn't perfect, but the fact that they were able to run the ball the way that they did, um, I think it says a lot about John Feliciano that they decided to put him in at center there, and mm-hmm. you know have him kind of be that stabilizing presence in the middle. The way guys talk about him, it's like he's a he's a good fit for that center spot. Um, you know, being the communicator and kind of the the guy that's that's bringing the energy to the group up front. Obviously, there's a domino effect. It means Ike Butker is in the lineup. It means Brian Winters is in the lineup. But, you know, it's still, um, you know, was was probably their best option there. Uh, and I, I think Feliciano rose to the occasion. Sean McDermott said after the game that he, they wanted him to be on a pitch count, um, mm-hmm. but they didn't really have a choice. And, and he gutted it out and played well. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll see how he came through the game. Um, you know, just uh, I'm, I'm sure it'll be be a sore Monday for him, but he'll have the Monday off to to get some treatment and all that. Uh, so, yeah, definitely a, a, a stand up performance from Feliciano in his first game back. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right, let's go to the defensive side of the ball because while the offense got the job done, uh, the defense did in spots and they caused a a huge turnover at the end of the game. Um, I actually found something pretty remarkable about about that turnover play that we'll get into in just a bit. But I think when you knew what the Patriots would be, the Bills kind of built their defensive lineup to 
defend against what they knew the Patriots would would bring to the table, which would be run-heavy approach. The Patriots wound up, I think, carrying the ball 34 times in that game. It probably would have been more had they held on to the ball at the at the end there. It didn't seem like they were in any real hurry to uh to get their act together at the end of the game. But the Bills knew what was coming at them, so they dressed five defensive tackles, four defensive ends, their best run defending defensive lineman, which meant AJ Epinesa did not uh he was not active for the game. Uh they did not use Matt Milano in base defensive sets at all during the game. The only time they used him again, just like they did last week, was on obvious passing downs, third down situations, and end of half situations. He ended up only having about 15 snaps. And then what what you ended up seeing was them going with A.J. Klein for most of the game with Tremaine Edmonds. And then uh, when they had to go to base defense, they brought in Andre Smith, which, you know, he was on the practice squad to start the year, basically only a special teams guy, and now he's playing legitimate snaps on defense. So the Bills knew that they had a challenge in front of them in, stop, in stopping the run. They did a in a pretty good job in the first half, and then it just completely broke in the second half. And I think the the, the real player that that a lot of people are finding a problem with and I do not blame them for this is AJ Klein because he has been a complete bust of a signing so far I mean if you look at it at his contract for what he for the level of play that he has brought that is a bad contract and he's it's not going to be easy to get out of that next year you have a he his cap hit is 6.4 million his dead cap is four million, so you can save some money, but it's still that's really not the type of contract that Brandon Bean usually likes to get out of prematurely. He likes to save a lot more and not have as much dead cap on on their team. But that contract has been bad, and he's been forced into duty because they don't have anybody else. But that doesn't mean he's been good. He he he's missing tackles. He's a liability in coverage. Um, he he's not quick enough to get to the sideline. Like if you have one of those problems, then it's worrisome for a player. But if you have all three of them, then goodness me, you just have a completely below average player out there. And and all of those things are happening with AJ Klein right now. And uh, he was a big reason why that run defense got run over in the second half. Yeah, he he's brutal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> frankly, um, I mean. They have problems at linebacker right now because AJ Klein is not very good. Uh, Matt mm-hmm. Milano is still working through the injury and and getting back to being himself. Um, you know, you see the moments um, where he's he looks like that player, but um, you know that can be a tricky injury uh, to get all the way back from right away. So, not questioning his ability, but just where he's at, um, you know, right now isn't isn't ideal and then Tremaine Edmonds same thing um he's like a mix of the two whether it's injury or whatever when when teams run right at him he he's just not um physical enough not mean enough not um not the player that you would hope he is as a first round pick um he's just not playing well this year so you've got uh, all sorts of problems at linebacker uh the thing that jumped out to me especially in the second half 
on 56% of Damian Harris's runs, they had eight or more defenders in the box. And the guy still ripped off more than six yards of carry, over 100 yards on the ground. Um, Like you said, they knew what was coming. They planned accordingly. They stacked the box, and they still couldn't stop it. And that's a that's a real problem, um, mm-hmm. you know. And yes, Cam Newton, you know, with the read option stuff is a bit deceptive, and you know he ripped off some some big runs of his own. But you know, Damian Harris alone gashed them pretty good. And it's the third time this year they've allowed more than 150 yards rushing in a game. It it, it did not look good, and the Patriots didn't really have to throw, but some of the plays and some of the, uh, you know, how often you saw some of these receivers get open and, and these were not superstar receivers. This is a bad Patriots offense, uh, averaging fewer points per game, uh, than they have in any year since 2000. Um, it's a bad group and the bills made them look somewhat competent, at least in the second half. So Man, the the Seahawks and Cardinals are the next two teams on the schedule. They play very differently, of course. Uh, the Seahawks yeah. are the, probably the best offense in football. The Cardinals aren't going to play you like the Patriots play you, but uh, they can still put up points uh, in their own right. So they got to get something fixed we could, because if they can't play defense, you know, at all, you can pin some of it, um, you know on the offense's inability, you know, we've, we've certainly directed a fair share of criticism at the offense, not putting up the numbers they were putting up early in the season and not being that, that top end group that they showed the potential of being and not, you know, sustaining that potential, but the defense isn't doing them a lot of favors. They had a good second half against the jets, but you know, these two offenses, they played the last two weeks are, are two of, you know, the worst, uh, in terms of scoring, um, you know, per game scoring in the entire league. So uh, to me, it's a, you know, it's, it's something that they need to get fixed. And I don't know where the fix comes from mm-hmm. because in, as you point out, you know, some of these guys that they're playing, they're not very good and, and they don't have obvious replacements and they're running out of time before the trading deadline. Yeah. I don't know if, AJ Klein adjusts their needs for the trade deadline at all. Uh, but I am curious to know what Brandon Bean is trying to call around on. And you look at, uh, I mean, they, they probably think to themselves, all right, well, eventually Milano is going to get back to be, being a, a full participant and that they can probably try and bank on that and just trying to get along while in the meantime, I mean, Delshawn Phillips started practicing and he's someone that they kind of like in that linebacker role. It seems like they're going to be signing Darren Lee at some point soon, probably to the practice squad. Um, and so they'll have someone with some experience at linebacker that's a little bit quicker getting sideline to sideline than, say, A.J. Klein is. But still, it's a problem. And then it's twofold as well because you have the linebacker problem, but then you still also have the one technique defensive tackle role. And that's that brings us back to what they did today. They didn't have Vernon Butler, and he was probably going to play the majority of the one technique snaps. So without him, they make they make uh, Harrison Phillips active. They also brought Brandon Bryant 
up from the practice squad for the game, probably just as a just in case because they're selling out to stop the run. He ends up only getting eight snaps. But Harrison Phillips in this game, he started and played, by my count, 39 snaps, which was around 58% of, of the defensive snaps in this game. And if you're going from not even playing for two weeks to 58%, you need to see some results. And so I went back and, and tracked exactly how well or how poorly the Bills did against uh, against the run with Harrison Phillips in the lineup. When he was in the game, they the Patriots ran the ball 26 times. They gained 147 yards for 5.7 yards per carry. And in the second half, uh, when Phillips was in the lineup against the Patriots run, they allowed 114 yards and 6.7 yards per carry, nearly a yard more in the second half. So it's of course it's not all up to Harrison Phillips, but you need to you need your one technique to be able to occupy blockers and and be able to facilitate his teammates to making appropriate stops. And like six yards, seven yards a carry is horrific. And there's a reason why the Patriots got back into the game, and it's because the run defense couldn't stop anybody. And I don't think Phillips uh, being in there for 58% of snaps does anything to lead me to believe that that they shouldn't be looking squarely at somebody that can slot in at the middle of their def- defensive tackle room because that is a glaring need. Like at least at nickel corner and at linebacker, you can talk yourself into going, okay, well, help is on the way in-house, at least, whether it be with Matt Milano or at nickel cornerback. You have Taron Johnson, who has played better as of late. Um, or, or maybe even you can try out Dane Jackson in that spot if if you're if you're feeling that way. Nickel cornerback is probably less so the, hey, help is on the way sort of thing. But one technique defensive tackle, there is no help on the way here. And I know we touched a lot on it in the last episode and talking about why it's important, but if there's ever a game that helps underscore the point, it's this Patriots one where you knew what was coming at you. You knew Cam Newton could not pass the ball to a grand degree. He's looked really bad the last two weeks passing the ball, and yet you still couldn't do anything about it because you're not getting enough of a push or holding the line of scrimmage well enough in the middle of the defense. And that is a huge problem. Yeah, and the, the trading deadline is on Tuesday. So they they really do, they're running out of time to make a move. You know, Justin Zimmer did come through again today, um, you know, with another big play. And they've got, you know, some guys stepping up and making timely plays. Jerry Hughes is playing well. Um, you know, they have some individuals making plays and there's, like we've said all along, a lot of the ingredients that make up, you know, that old defense of theirs, but there's some key gaps, uh, you know, in, in the plan and in the lineup. And it starts right in the middle um, at one technique and on the second level, as we've mentioned, the, the linebackers, um, you know, at various times have, have been disappointments and AJ Klein most of the time, uh, basically every time he's on the field. So um, it's, it's a defense with some problems that now that we have an eight game sample size, it's pretty clear um, these problems aren't going away and the help is not on the roster. So they're tied up against the cap. They're already heavily invested into that defensive line, but 
it's a piece that they clearly sorely need. And, you know, they only have a couple of days to, to swing a deal and, and get one. I, you know, you would, you would kind of expect them to do this and to actually do something because you have to, if, if you're from coming from the bills perspective, you have to think to yourself, okay, through the first eight games, they are now four and in the division. They have six wins. If they get four more victories, they are assured basically a, a home playoff game. And uh, because I don't know that, I mean, the Miami win was good and all, but it kind of feels like the way that they went about it was unsustainable. Like they got virtually nothing from Tua in that game. And he'll probably be better as, as the weeks go along, but they would need him to win six of the team's final nine games, which is not unheard of, but for a rookie quarterback, that's, that's a pretty tall order, especially going up against some of the teams they'll be going up against. So, um, so if, if you're Bean, you're probably thinking to yourself, all right, well, if, if they get four wins, you've got a home playoff game. And if you have a home playoff game, you have a pretty good shot at winning that game. And then once you get to the second round of the playoffs, who the heck knows what happens from there? So I, I think, I, I, I don't know. I, I go back and forth whether or not they're actually going to do something, but I just keep coming to the fact that this is such a prime opportunity. You're on your your quarterback's rookie contract window. Just go get something. Go go get the job done because what you have right now is clearly not good enough from a defensive standpoint. And you know you're going to need something to put you over the edge, especially when you've got really good teams coming at you right now with with Seattle up next, Arizona after that. I mean, who the heck knows what San Francisco is from week to week, but uh, but they can put together an off a good offensive effort. Pittsburgh is on the horizon in the next five weeks, so there's there's uh, an issue there. I mean, the Chargers are playing really well offensively with Justin Herbert as their quarterback. So you need you need some pieces uh, for your defense to be able to sustain, and that you're just not going to find them just like that, just by snapping your fingers. So, so yeah, I don't I don't think he should sit on his hands, and uh, if they do, then maybe they just couldn't find the right deal, or maybe a deal fell through, or something like that. But at the very least, they should they should try, and if they don't, then I think that's a that's a major mistake. Well, and I'll say this too, that while a one technique defensive tackle or some other pieces on defense, you know, it's what they need uh, and it would certainly help them in their stretch run and in the playoff run, like we've said, or, or you know, if the offense doesn't get back on track, it's yeah. not going to matter. Um, and yeah. that's not to, that's no reason to not make the deal because if the offense does get on track, you'll want every piece that you've got because the other part of this is that they're basically, you know, like you said, the division is pretty much wrapped up um, unless they screw it up pretty good here uh, and the Dolphins go on a run simultaneously. And you don't know how often that's going to be the case. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you talk about the the rookie contract window with a quarterback. That's what I, I think was missed a little bit with the, the whole, oh, changing of the guard conversation. Like, it's not as if the Patriots run ends or takes a year break and then somebody goes on a run like the Patriots went on. 
that's not how divisions work. Um, you know, that's not usually one team dominating it year after year. And you, you have your prime windows. And the Bills' prime window is this year and maybe next year, but you don't know what next year brings. You don't know how good Tua gets how fast. You don't know what the Patriots do uh, with the ability to retool a little bit in the offseason. You don't know if the Jets get Trevor Lawrence and what that might do. So, so much can change that you can't just assume you'll be right back ready to go on another run and that Josh Allen will just continue getting better. This might be as good as he gets. Uh, and, you know, the opportunity in front of them is a very good one. And so if it's a fifth round pick or a fourth round pick to get a guy that's going to make you that much better, I think, you know, you have to be a little bit more aggressive when, you know, the window is open and it's after this week, very clearly wide open. This is unrelated, but did you see the report that the Dolphins are are starting this with with Tua to evaluate because they have the Texans pick to see whether or not they need to be in in the quarterback market? I find that fascinating, um, especially with with how I guess um, uh, how patient the Bills were with Josh Allen and and now with the Dolphins, them thinking, okay, well we might have an opportunity here, so let's see if. Tua has something and then and then go from there. I, I find that, especially after the the Josh Rosen, Kyler Murray model, I find that very, very interesting. That could impact the uh, the short term and, and long term uh, view of what the bills could be in, in the AFC East for for the next few years. Yeah, because they're starting to build that team to where right. they should be ready to win. Um next year uh, at least and they're kind of ready to win right now the way the defense is playing uh it's looking like a defense that's getting better and better each week so yeah it, there is a there's some merit to being aggressive at that position and figuring out what you have quickly and while that the guy that you have is still an asset right like you know that's like what the cardinals did moving on from josh rosen while he was still an asset when really he wasn't and they had identified that and moved on um, especially when an opportunity was staring them right in the face to get a big-time quarterback at number one overall. A little bit different if you don't have the number one overall pick, if you don't have the yeah, shot true. at Trevor Lawrence or maybe Justin Fields is in that conversation. But um, I do think it's smart to keep looking until you know for sure. There's two different approaches. The Bills did not do that, obviously. Um, and, you know, I think the patience was both necessary and effective with Josh Allen. Yeah. but. That's not to say there's only one way to do it. Yeah. I just found that interesting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's get to some awards. Uh, we there are a lot of a lot of uh, contestants for for these awards. We'll we'll start with the Dre Archer Award for the player that did not show up at all in this game, and. You know, I mistakenly gave this gave an award to this player uh, last time around because he didn't really have a, a big stat game in the second half, this being Gabriel Davis. But I feel like he's a worthwhile 
uh, award winner for the Dre Archer Award this week because he let a touchdown fall through his hands. And maybe it was a little bit uh, of a tough catch because he had to concentrate. I don't know if the ball was tipped. It might have been. But either way, went right through his hands. That's a bad drop in a bad spot. And and he, he needs to come down with that. So I'm, I'm, I'm giving it to the rookie. Uh, receiver who uh, who went without a catch in this game and had a prime opportunity to make up for all of it and just let it go through his hands yeah two targets no catches no yards and a drop touchdown i'd say that's a a good call for sure yeah all right uh how about the Vontae davis award for the player that didn't show up in the second half I'd give it to the bills run defense and i guess if we have to pin it on one guy um It'd be A.J. Klein, right? I mean, he's the easiest target at this point. He only had two tackles in this game, and the Patriots were running the ball as often as they were. So, How many missed tackles did he have? That I'll have to count. I don't think they like (laughs) – they count. I I counted at least three, I think. Um, And usually that stat takes like a day to populate um, because it's one that needs a little bit more charting. Um, But – I counted at least three um, watching live, and uh, one was in the passing game. But the fact that he only got two and the Patriots were running the ball as often as they were tells you he wasn't really around the football very much Right. Um, in addition to missing tackles. So um, he had to get something, right? Um, and so it, he easily could have been a candidate for the uh, Gotta Watch the Tape Award, but he's kind of been a fixture there. So figured I'd yeah. mix it up a little bit. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna need a a new new uh, person for for that award because yeah he's been he's been a mainstay. All right, the uh, the Blaine Gabbard Award for perseverance. Probably, you know what? I think I'm gonna go with Ike Butker for this. That's who the I dude had was... thought of during the game because I thought he played better than yeah. he did last week. Yeah, absolutely. He was he was awful last week. Like he was a reason that a lot of those offensive drives ended up not doing much of anything. And this time around, they it seemed like they were run blocking pretty well. You know, probably in <laughs> I, I was about to say probably an easier opponent, but it's not <laughs> because they played the Jets last week. Uh, but yeah, he did, he did a better job. So uh, I'll, I'll I'll give it to good old Ike Butker. Um, and they're going to need him, especially if Cody Ford isn't ready to play this week, which means John Feliciano will be the starting center and Ike Butker would probably be the starting left guard again. So uh, Ike Butker getting his money's worth here in, in these uh last few weeks he's uh they're, they're gonna need to depend on him going forward here yeah i'd say honorable mention to john feliciano for yeah um, for sure coming back from injury moving positions like a few series into the game and you know being one of the best offensive linemen on the field uh, being the nice spark that they needed so the interior of the offensive line did uh, fight through some some adversity but made it out okay and ran the ball very well in this game Yep, and finally, the Gotta Watch the Tape Award. Uh, do you have one that, that stands out to you? I'm trying to think here. See, this is why it's good that we didn't go with A.J. Klein because he's such a crutch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm actually going to go with... I think I'm going to go with Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, okay. In part because... Part of me says, 
that's always a position where you kind of have to watch the tape a little bit, right? You know, it's a mm-hmm. linebacker can be a little bit tricky, um, you know, from the broadcast angle. And it, it's helpful to have the tape, but still just not enough impact plays from him. Um, and with, you know, the, the Patriots running a lot of interesting runs that I am curious to see from the end zone angle, um, I actually will be curious to see how he looks there. But my initial uh watch of the game he did not play well yeah i mean it's it's been a struggle for him and he played better last week and it seemed like he was being a little bit more decisive last week which was good and he needed to because his head coach kind of called him out on that in the in the week leading up to the game but yeah i i will i will also be tracking uh, when the all 22 comes out on Tuesday, how aggressive and how decisive he was in that game, because that's, that's part of it. And, you know, I think they were probably, uh, they were probably uh, schooled throughout the game to, uh, to try and, I guess, not fall for the deceptive moves. And I'm sure Sean McDermott used the term eye discipline more than a few times in in uh, in the week leading up to the Patriots game, very similar to how they approached the Ravens game last year. But um, but yeah, you, you need your inside linebacker, your middle linebacker to be so much more decisive than he has been, and you need him to be consistently decisive and not be so willing to be uh, taken out by a block five or six yards down the field. And that's just been a mainstay for his game so far. So I think, I think Edmonds is definitely worthy of the award. Uh, special uh, honorable mention here to John Brown, who didn't really get involved outside of a, a wide receiver screen. And, um, and that went for 21 yards, only had two targets in the game. And of course the passing offense only dropped back 18 times, but you, you still think that maybe Brown should uh, get a little bit more involved than than that. I mean, Beasley for the, for that matter. So maybe to both Beasley and Brown, like, oh, got to watch the tape. Got to, got to see what was going on there. But Allen dropped back 18 times, nine of them, nine of those targets went to digs. So some, something was going on. Something was fishy with the rest of the passing offense because it just, uh, well, it, it smelled fairly fishy to, to be honest. Yeah. He would have been, Dre Archer had he not had that one catch that was a, a nice True. little chunk play for them. Um, other than that, he was pretty much invisible. So yeah, he'll he'll be one that that needs a a closer watch. Um, yeah, you know before before he gets publicly buried. Yep, gotta watch that tape. All right. Uh, so the next next thing on the docket here is the trade deadline, which will either be a fun day for fans or an infuriating one if they don't make a move and you know or maybe an infuriating one if if they pick up a player that everybody hates but i don't know that it usually when trade deadlines come through uh, fans are just excited to see movement of any kind for their for their team especially when they're in a a, a buy mode um, and so we'll, we'll, we'll just have to, we'll, we'll have to see what good old Brandon Bean has, has up his sleeve because he should make a move. I think he should. I think, I think you probably feel the same way. And, uh, now we'll just have to see if they actually do it. So, 
these next couple of days are huge. And uh, if if they do something big enough, which I'm I'm not expecting them to take a huge swing, but if they do something big enough, then we're going to have something huge to talk about next week for as part of our uh, preview episode. Preview episode for a very big game. Uh, Russell yeah. Wilson, Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf coming to town. To- and Chris Carson will probably be back for that game. He didn't he didn't play uh, today against the Niners, but he was a game time call. I would have to assume if you're a game time call the the previous week that you'll probably be good to go for the next game. And Carson is really good. I mean, they've got a lot of good stuff going on uh, with with their offense, and the passing offense is outstanding. But Carson has been has been great for them this year, and he's been really good passing or catching the ball out of the backfield too. So, so yeah, they they have just so much going for them on offense. Yeah, it will be the toughest challenge they've faced on that side of the ball. Um, you know, I guess Period. outside of the chiefs, but I think this offense yeah. right now is playing better uh, than Kansas city and yeah. Russell Wilson is something else. Uh, he's the best quarterback in football this year. So it should be, should be an interesting week leading up to this game and um, an interesting opponent heading to Orchard park. Yeah, no doubt. And just some, final words on on this win over new england and you know we i know we we broke down the uh, the ins and outs and and all of those and and how they probably missed some opportunities throughout the game but the simple fact of the matter is you know this this win is a significant one for this franchise and i mean you have to take take the historical aspect into account with with all of it because they have just been the doormat to the Patriots winning the AFC East every single year. And now that they finally got one on Belichick, it's significant. I mean, it's not going to make their season by any means, but it is a step that was necessary. And one, considering the strength of the Patriots, it's one that was frankly it, it it had to happen today, and if they didn't, then the, it would have gone into a, a major uh, turnstile to where we we could have seen this team maybe unravel a little bit. You know, being only half a game ahead of the Dolphins and losing the Patriots the way they did, allowing the Patriots to get off the mat and be able to uh, get back into it. So this was a significant win for a historical perspective. It's a significant one to their season, and now they just have to go and carry out the rest of the job. It's it's really that simple. Yeah, it is. You know, one of those games that had they lost it would have sent the division into a bit of a free for all. And mm-hmm. the fact that that didn't happen means that basically um, they've got it pretty close to wrapped up here if they don't screw up in a big way. So, uh, like you said, all they have to do is is kind of get to the finish line here. They've got a significant lead, the biggest lead they've had in the division since, I think, 1996, or or the latest in the season that they've been in first place since 1996. They haven't won the division Mm -hmm. since 95. So um, that's a long, long time to have not won a division, and they are in great position to do so this year. Certainly are. All right, that'll do it for us. If you uh, have yet to subscribe to The Athletic, go ahead and go to theathletic.com slash the Buffalo Beat for a reduced 
uh, rate for your yearly subscription. You can read all the stuff that the both of us write. Uh, anything that Tim Graham writes uh, on the Bills or Sabres. Uh, you can read all John Vogel stuff on the Sabres and, and any other team or league you would like to read about. We have pretty much everything right there. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of the Buffalo Beat. The next time we will speak will be late in the week to preview the Bills Seahawks game. And uh, we'll see if the Bills can go toe-to-toe with yet another NFC West opponent like they did with the Rams in week three. All right, so for Matthew Fairburn, my name is Joe Biscaglia. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you next week. See you then.